0: that was a helpful quick video that kind of shows you, okay, this is what, this is what's happened in kind of the year that's passed since last week's text and this week's text. And today we're going to be Numbers chapter 13, looking at that last part of the video that talks about the spies entering into Canaan, uh, entering into the promised land, kind of scoping out and seeing what happens as a result of the fear that ensues in the people of God. So, We're going to be jumping into Exodus chapter 13, or sorry, Numbers chapter 13, and uh, we've been in Exodus for a while. It's a habit. Um, We're going to be in Numbers chapter 13, and and before we jump into that, I want to give you one more piece of context that's going to help us and kind of guide us as we look at this text. So uh, the video mentioned something about the tabernacle, and this is a a really key part of the existence of the people of God. Um, Exodus 25 is is going to say uh, that God says, let them make a sanctuary so that I can dwell among them. And it shows that God's purpose all along has been to dwell with his people. And this is what the series has been about. God's delivered them so that he can dwell with them. And the tabernacle is this visual representation of God's presence among the people. And that his presence is with them. It's in the center of their existence. It's guiding them. And this is kind of the the center point of God's presence. And we're we're gonna see that work itself out kind of throughout the rest of the the text today. So um, God's presence has been leading them throughout the wilderness, right? Um, and, And they get to this moment where they're on the cusp of the promised land. Uh, they're about to see what's, what's, uh, what's before them, all that God has promised. And, uh, and we're gonna jump into Numbers chapter 13 and see what happens. Uh, the video kind of spoiled it if you, already knew, if you didn't know the story. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. You already kind of know. But let's jump into it. Chapter 13, verse one. It says, "'The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "'Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, "'which I am giving to the people of Israel.' It's an important phrase, which I am giving to the people of Israel. For each tribe of their fathers shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of these men whom were heads of the people of Israel. Let's jump down to verse 17 because it lists all the names. (laughs) Verse 17, Moses sent them out to spy out the land of Canaan, and said to them, "Go up into the to the Negeb and go up into the hill country, and and see what the land is. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether there are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are trees in it or not. But be of good courage, uh, and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness." So I want you to think about what's before the people of Israel in this moment. Um, God has promised them uh, this amazing land that's flowing with milk and honey. It's this fertile land that God is going to give them. And it's been about three years since, uh, since God delivered them out of Egypt. You can imagine just walking through the desert for three years with this hope of this epic thing that's about to happen in your community. And I want you to think about maybe a time in your life when you've really looked forward to something. Um, I, I don't know if it was maybe getting married and you've been dating somebody for a really long time. You're just like, I can't wait to be married and you're just longing for what that season will bring. Uh, maybe it was a concert of an artist you really love and you had to buy tickets like a year in advance. And every day you're like, okay, three, like 350 days left, 349 days left. You're like so excited about it, you're looking forward to it. Um, Maybe it is um, looking forward to graduating. Maybe a lot of you are there today. You're like, I can't wait to have no homework. Like that will just be the best life ever. And you're just looking forward to what's about to happen. And I can imagine the people were also really tired of being in the desert You know, if you've ever been to the desert, maybe out in Arizona or in the West or something, it's just not that great. You know, maybe some of you like the desert. I'm like, it's just dry and hot and there's not water. It's not pretty like Nashville is in October. And it's it's just not really great to be in the desert for three years, right? You can imagine the people are just dreaming. They're just desiring, you know, what's next for us? What is this new season going to hold? And they're just dreaming and desiring on all that's about to unfold. And unfortunately, something happens that changes the entire perspective of the people. It goes from dreaming and desiring for all this to just completely gripped with fear. So um, the, the 12 spies return after 40 days of being in the land. And there's two spies named Joshua and Caleb, and they are so pumped about what's about to happen. You know, the video kind of showed them with these big grapes. They, they bring back the fruit and they're like, man, we can do this. Let's go in, let's take the land. It's good, God's with us. And they proclaim to the people, hey, God's gone before us, let's do this. And, and unfortunately, the 10 other spies don't have the same... Perspective. So let's pick it up in verse uh, 31 and see uh, uh, what these other 10 spies say. It says, then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought, the bad, brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone to spied out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in it are of great height. And we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seem to them. So it's this moment where fear begins to unravel uh, the people of God here. Something happens and it changes their entire perspective. People start revolts. They want to go back to Egypt. Moses' own family is turning on them. There's a moment when Joshua, one of the leaders, one of the spies that had a good report, stands up and tries to to halt this downward spiral of the people. And he stands up and he's like, guys, we can do this. Let's trust God. And and the text says the people try and stone him. Like that's how how crazy they were in this stupor. And I love how one pastor, John Piper, puts this. He says that the people were drunk in a dream world of security and safety. It's this picture of the people just being totally lost uh, and, and not understanding what's ahead of them. So like the video says, God turns them over to their desires and they wander around in the desert for 40 years uh, because they did not trust in God. So I want to talk about for the rest of our time together from this story, how fear and how faith play a role in the people of God in this story and also how it plays a role in our lives today as the people of God in, in our context, in our culture. So I want to talk about fear for a few minutes. I want you to think about this. God has promised them the land. You know, in that first part of chapter 13, in verse 1, um, says, I am giving to the people of Israel. It's like, I've, I've given it to you. J- just unwrap the gift. Like, go. It's, it's yours. God has been so clear that he has gone before them, that he's empowering them, that his power is enough, and that his promises are good. Like, he's just been so clear about it. And they're about to go in, spy out the land, and, and fear causes everything to unravel for these people. And I believe the underlying issue of fear for the people of God here is is a little deeper than than just fear on the surface. I think it goes down to a doubt, a lack of trust in the presence of God. A lack of trust in the presence of God. They don't trust that God's presence is enough for them. And the external circumstances that they encounter produce this, this overwhelming fear. So I want you to think about how fear does this. When fear seizes us, all our ability to see reality for what it is evaporates. It, it just kind of distorts reality. So, so it's Halloween tomorrow, right? Maybe you're a huge Halloween fan. You're like, who cares about Christmas? Like, I want to dress up um, like a Star Wars character. Like, you're just all about Halloween. My wife will watch like eight Halloween movies every single October. She's just all into it. And part of Halloween is this kind of whole thing about like scaring people and freaking, you know, doing haunted houses and watching scary movies. And I want you to think about how fear just totally distorts our reality. So maybe you've been in a haunted house before. And watch a scary movie, and no matter what, how sure you are. Uh, that when you go into that haunted house, okay, they can't hurt me, they can't hurt me, they can't touch me, they're not gonna hurt me. When that guy busts through the door with the chainsaw and is like, <laughs> you're like, I'm gonna die, I'm done. Like, this is over, my life's done. Good knowing you guys, wish I could say goodbye to my family, but you're just like, this is, this is over. Like when you watch a scary movie and then like the whole night, I gotta sleep with all the lights on in the house. Like all the lights, I, I don't care about the electric bill, I gotta be safe. You know, fear distorts our perception of what is actually reality, Right? For the Israelites, they have seen God display his power in such amazing ways. I've seen him display his power through the plagues in Egypt, splitting the Red Sea. He's provided food and water over and over again for years in the middle of a desert. It, God's just been there every step of the way. And God has given them his presence. There's a pillar of cloud leading him throughout the day, a pillar of fire at nighttime. You're like, how epic of a representation that God is with you is that? And they begin to doubt the presence of God because of their fear of their circumstances. Their circumstances become so overwhelming that all, all, anything about the presence of God or the promises of God or even the power of God just kind of goes out the window for them. I can imagine the spies and the Israelites beginning to ask questions like, hey, is the presence of God good enough? Is it enough for us? And even if God is with us, even if his presence is with us, is he good enough to keep that promise? Is he really going to be with us? Is he really going to give us this land? Is he powerful enough to give us this land? So I think this story is a picture of what it looks like when faith in God's presence is is not enough for the people of God. And fear begins to unravel um, how they interact with God and how they interact with people and how they participate with God in God's mission. Faith, I think, is a better alternative. Faith is what allows us to go through life in a way that we don't just experience the joy of being in the presence of God, but we get to participate with God as we go into the world and our circumstances we, uh, don't affect us in a way that brings uh, deep fear and kind of distorts our reality. And this is what we see in Caleb and Joshua. We're gonna look at kind of some of the implications of that later, but they, they look at their circumstances and they say, I know there's these great warriors. I know this is gonna be tough, but God has, God has gone before us. He's with us. Look at the tabernacle. Look at all that he's done through Egypt and through the desert. Like God's with us. This is the picture of when faith is the primary lens of the people of God. There's this confidence. There's this boldness to to go with God. So um, I was kind of thinking about, okay, that's the picture of God with the Israelites in this story. Numbers 13. What does it look like for us today? Like, is it, is it the same? Like, how do we apply it? Uh, how do we bring this text into our lives and our context today? And, you know, I, I've beat this drum so often in this series on uh, the story of the Exodus that, you know, we have to be really careful with drawing straight lines from uh, these stories in the Old Testament to our lives today. Uh, Because oftentimes things have changed. There were cultural things, there were contextual things with the people of God uh, in Israel in that time and things that are different for us today. So we have to be really careful on how we apply the text. So the goal is not to come to this text and then leave saying, all right, um, you know, what is your promised land? Like, where's God taking you? You know, what is the promised land for you? Is it, you know, is it comfort and ease of life? Is it a spouse? Is it a job? Is it a new season? You know, what is that promised land that you're longing for? Like, that is not the goal of this text. You know, have have faith in God. You know, he'll get you there. Because the problem with that is that it's trying to control the outcomes of our lives. And oftentimes those things are not things that God has ever promised to us. So I want you to think about this. If, if you're trusting and believing that God has promised something to you and you begin to experience life when that promise, is not, that promise is not being fulfilled in your life, you begin to doubt God's presence with you. So if you know ease of life and comfort and security in life, if that's the thing you feel like, okay, God's promises this to me, I'm entitled to this. If you believe that, then when you begin to experience suffering and difficulty in the world, uh, you begin to wonder, man, God, are you with me? Why, why am I experiencing this? I, I thought I was supposed to experience kind of a smooth sailing journey, you know, easy waters. And this is kind of difficult. There's turmoil in my life. Are you with me? So you see how misappropriating what God has promised leads to this fear, this doubt of God's presence. So you have to be really careful uh, when we think about, you know, what does God promise to us? Uh, how do we how do we apply this text? We have to be careful not to think about things that God has promised to us that He actually has not promised. So how do, we, how do we bring it into our lives? You know, what's the, what's the way that we take this narrative and then kind of bring it into our lives? I think we have to see this story, this text in Numbers 13, in light of all that God is doing from the beginning all the way uh, to the end. So I'm, I'm going to give you a, just a quick summary, kind of this is what God has been doing. This is where God is, is taking us today. So I want you to think about the narrative of the Bible being about God dwelling with his people. That's what God is after. You know, that's how he sets it up in the Garden of Eden. He's like, okay, my goal is to walk with my people, to know them intimately, and to have this intimate love relationship with my creation, and it functions well. And and he says to the people, be fruitful, multiply, take my glory to the ends of the earth. That's kind of the the desire of God for creation. Unfortunately, sin and evil distorts that goal of God and, and, and fractures our relationship with him. And ever since then, God has been trying to get us back to that original place of dwelling with him, of knowing him deeply and and bringing his glory to the world. So that's what Israel is trying to do here. When God gives them the 10 commandments, he said, I'm I'm trying to create this scenario where you can know me. That's what God's trying to do in Jesus. It, It keeps going. Jesus comes into the world and God says, I'm gonna give you me. I'm gonna come into the world as a human so that you can know who I am, so that you can dwell with me. And I'm going to fix, I'm going to deal with this sin problem that that you all have so that you can know me freely. That you can spread my glory to the earth. And even farther than that, when Jesus leaves, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And and the Holy Spirit is God's presence inside of us. So there's this verse in 1 Corinthians 3.16. It says that God's tabernacle is now us. So it's this picture of in the Old Testament with people of Israel, God's tabernacle was in this tent where God's presence would come as a cloud and it was leading them through the wilderness. And now uh, the, the tabernacle is you and me, the Holy Spirit inside of us leading us uh, into what God is doing in, in our day and age. So what is our promised land? You know, that's the question. You know, what is God doing for us? It's not this specific land that he's taking us to. And if it's not these kind of surface level things that we sometimes think is my promised land, you know, what is, what is the trajectory that God has taken creation towards? You know, if we were to read, you know, Revelation and see kind of the end goal of creation, it's this idea of the new heaven and new earth. And it's this picture of the creation dwelling in perfect intimacy and perfect relationship with God. And God's glory filling the earth is the ultimate culmination of the purpose of God from the very beginning. And just like the people uh, of Israel, God's leading them into this promised land, God is leading us into the promised land. For them, it was in this picture of the tabernacle, God's presence leading them to the promised land. For us, it's the Holy Spirit leading us towards this new goal, this new promised land for the people of God, this restoration of God's presence with this people and God's glory displayed in the world. So how do, we, how do we apply this text? You know, what do, we, what do we do with this? I think we have to first understand that's our new promised land. That's the trajectory that God is taking the people of God on now. And secondly, that God has given us his presence in, in a similar way to the Israelites. The Holy Spirit leading us, uh, showing us who God is, allowing us to connect with God and God's presence in this intimate love relationship. So as we close, I wanna try and in the plane for us a little bit. If, if this is what God's been doing, You know, he's trying to dwell this people. He's been moving closer and closer and closer all the way to the Holy Spirit inside of us. Who's leading us and guiding us. How do we uh, walk on a journey with God towards this new promised land? So I want to talk about in the same way that the Israelites had the choice to operate out of fear or faith on this journey. We also have the opportunity to operate out of fear or faith on this journey to this new promised land. Okay, so let's talk about fear in our lives, how it plays itself out for us. I think it plays, it plays out in, in three big ways. We doubt the presence of God, we doubt the goodness of God, and we live for our own purposes. That's how fear begins to unravel our own pursuit, our own journey with God on, on our journey today. So let's talk about the first one. We doubt God's presence. You know, this is what God has desired with his people. You know, we've seen that, we've talked about that a little bit. He's given us the Holy Spirit, but it's so easy to doubt that presence, right? Sometimes I just long sometimes to be an Israelite and just be able to see a pillar of fire and just be like, that's God leading me throughout the night. You know, like, why can't I see a more tangible representation of God's presence in my life? And right now it's this, this more spiritual reality of God's presence in the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And it's so easy just to doubt and, and not be sure and, and to wonder whether God is really with us. So when things, uh, circumstances begin to uh, come in our lives and we begin to wonder, man, is God really with me? When financial hardship hits or if your family, parents go through a divorce or when life circumstances really affect you deeply, we wonder, man, is, is God with me? Has he abandoned me? And I believe those questions are, are really healthy to wrestle with. You know, if you read the Psalms, over and over, people who loved God so much would ask these questions. Man, God, have you forsaken me? Like, where are you? I don't know if you're here. So those things are healthy to, to wrestle with and, and think through. Um, and it's okay to mourn and to question and to wonder where God is. But the issue here, I think, is um, wrestling with those questions in seasons versus living a life that is defined by fear, defined by a doubt if God's with me. And if we, if we live in that trajectory over time, uh, we'll begin to see our relationship with God unravel. Uh, we won't experience the full blessing that God has for us because all the decisions, all the things that we're doing in life are uh, being uh, funneled through the lens of fear rather than faith in God. So we doubt the presence of God. We also doubt the goodness of God. So maybe we have this kind of underlying belief, okay, God's with me. I believe believe the Holy Spirit's with me. Not, uh, God's not gonna forsake me. But, but sometimes we doubt whether or not he has our good in mind, whether or not his, his plans or his ways to get us to the destination are actually the best plans and ways to get us there. So we encounter things in the scriptures where Jesus says, hey, you come to me to find peace. You come to me to find identity. You come to me to find rest and joy and fulfillment. you try and search for it elsewhere, it's gonna lead to suffering and difficulty in life. And this, this works itself out for all of us in different ways. Maybe it's through finances. Maybe it's through uh, security in material things. Maybe it's through security in relationships. And we search for our identities and we search for things in other people because we're not really sure if really selling out to God and his ways and his will is the best thing for us. So we wonder, man, God, are you good? Like, I, th- I think you're with me. I think you're real. But are you really good for me? Are, are your ways good to, to get me to this? Like, I believe you're taking everything to this new heaven, new earth. That's awesome. But on the journey, I don't know if I fully trust you. So we doubt the goodness of God. And finally, I think this is re- really where it begins to unravel is we begin to live for our own purposes. Fear causes us to live for our own purposes. So I was talking to Joshua this week, uh, just kind of about this, and, and he said something really great. He said, fear distorts our purpose. It distorts what we give our lives to. When we're afraid, when we doubt God's presence or his goodness, we begin to uh, f- try and manage things. We try and control things because we're worried about what will happen if we lose control. If we really were to give control fully to God, you know, what would happen? And so we manage and, and it distorts everything that we're about. We, be, we become a little more uh, self-focused and self-oriented uh, so that we can uh, manage our circumstances a little better. And this is how fear begins to unravel and distort our life as we journey with God towards this this new promised land. So uh, I don't think that's the only way. You know, just like Caleb and Joshua in this story, Numbers 13, um, they looked at God's promise, the promised land, and said, okay, that's the destination for us. And we really believe that your way of getting us there and that your promise that you will get us there and the ways that you'll get us there, we believe that you're good. We're gonna trust in your presence with us. And we're gonna, we're gonna sell out in the middle of intimidating circumstances. In the middle of all this, we believe that you are with us. We believe that you're going before us and you're gonna give us what we need. I think we also have the ability to, to journey with God that way. In light of tough circumstances, in light of uh, you know, culture, other people telling us there's a different way. You know, go back to Egypt, do things this way. We need a new leader. You know, there's all these things pulling at us. I think there's a way to sift through all that and say, okay, we're not gonna have fear. We're gonna trust in the the presence of God. We're gonna have faith that God is with us. So what does this life of faith look like? I think the same three things, just kind of vice versa. Instead of doubting the presence of God, we trust in the presence of God. We trust in the presence of God. Remember what we said earlier about what God has not promised and what God has promised? This is one of the things that um, you can read the Bible and just be so sure that God has promised this over and over and over again. When Jesus leaves the disciples, he gives them the great commission. He says, I know I've just given you this epic mission, go and make disciples in all the earth. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm gonna give you a, a comfort, I'm gonna give you a helper in the Holy Spirit, I'm with you. Hebrews 13, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And, th- and that's a good intellectual thing, you know, it's like, oh great, you know, I, I believe that. How does that really get down into my heart? That's a journey to kind of over time choose to trust in the presence of God with us and that's difficult. But I think if we were uh, to really enter on that journey, to keep taking steps, to choose faith over fear, we begin to see this joy of doing life with God. We encounter difficult circumstances in life as we journey with God. uh, There's a confidence, a boldness to enter into life circumstances that are hard and not uh, have our lives kind of unravel not have our relationships unravel and we can begin to walk with God in a, in a more full way. So secondly, we, uh, we don't doubt the goodness of God, but we believe in the goodness of God. So maybe we have this, okay, I think you're with me, God. I think your Holy Spirit's in me. We got to believe that he's also good. Got to believe that he's good. As we're journeying towards this new promise that God is moving creation towards restoration with him, that's the mission that we're on. Um, we have to trust that he has our joy in mind on the way and that his ways of doing things are gonna be best for us, that he has our joy in mind. So we come to God and we seek him for our rest, for our identity, for our peace. And lastly, uh, we, we don't live for our own purposes. We live into the purpose of God. And this is where it really, I think, uh, finds a lot of steam, this, the, these ideas. When, when we are not fearful of God not being with us, when we are not fearful of God not being good to us, we are so free, to just run after God's mission uh, without fear of circumstances, without fear of what people can do to us, without fear of anything that can happen to this life. We can join God in this this huge mission that he's he's unraveling for us. And we can run after him. We can seek him without worry, seek him without fear. This is what's um, available to us if we'll choose to live this life of faith in God's presence. So will we sit back in fear of the world, fear of circumstances, fear of what will happen of this election, you know? Uh, will we let things in our world cause fear in us that he's not good? Or will we step forward in faith that God's presence is with us, that he is with us, he will not leave us, and that his promises are good, his promises are true, and that his purposes are worth giving our lives for because he's with us, because his mission is what he's created us for, to dwell with him, to spread his glory in the earth. This, this is the, the life that I want our church to step into. This is the life that I want to step into. Uh, this is what I want my, my days to be about. So in just a moment, we're going to take communion. And this is an opportunity every week uh, to center our lives around Jesus, uh, to center our lives around what Jesus has done uh, by allowing us to approach God freely in in intimate relationship because he's paid for us and he's died for us. We can now boldly walk with God uh, whereas in the Old Testament, we, the Israelites couldn't really interact with God. Now, now we have an uh, anytime, instantaneous relationship with this God of, the, God of the universe. So Jesus made that possible. Jesus is the centerpiece of all this, the fulfillment of what God was trying to do in Israel. So we go to the table and we take the, take the bread and we take the juice and, and we remember Jesus. We thank Jesus for what he's done that's made this life available to us. I want to encourage you during this time just to, to go and kind of think through, okay, um, where in my life am I really reacting in fear? Uh, what, what things are causing me to, to funnel my decisions in my life um, because of my life circumstances out of fear? Um, where might I be able to step into faith and trusting in, that God is with me? Do I believe that God is with me? Do I need to read some of the Psalms and really feel that, man, God, are you with me? Maybe you seem to pray. This is where I'm at today. I don't believe you're good, God. I don't believe you actually have my joy in mind. Maybe that's just uh, a step that you can take to admit that's, that's where you're at in this journey. But for all of us, I think we have the opportunity to take steps towards faith, even if that just means admitting where you are. So um, we're going to open up the doors. You can go out on the porch uh, and take communion with somebody that you came with. Um, or you can just kind of pray and reflect on your own. I'm going to invite the band to come, back, come on back up. And, and they will lead us in a few more songs of worship. And um, as we do that, let's just really sell out to, to trusting in God today. Um, let's, let me pray and we'll take communion. Jesus, thank you that, that uh, you, are, you are with us today. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are in us, that you have made your tabernacle in our hearts. What a, what a crazy thing to think about. And that, I pray that you would give us an awareness, a trust, a confidence that you are with us today, um, that you've not left us, you have not forsaken us, no matter what we have done, no matter how much we have messed up in our lives, God, you are with us because of Jesus would you help us to rejoice in that today, to trust in you today? And will we, will we also trust that you're good. Holy Spirit, we need your help to really believe that God is for our good. So would you, would you allow us to believe that today, Holy Spirit? Would you uh, really uh, convict us to live on mission for you as well? As we put aside our fear, as we put aside letting our, our lives be defined by fear, and as we step into faith in your presence, Would you help us to to sell out to your mission without fear of our circumstances? Uh, Jesus, we uh, glorify you today as we take communion, as we remember your sacrifice on the cross. We ask this for your beautiful name, amen.